Section 30 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Besides the glowing and familiar descriptions given by Cortez of the splendor exhibited in the buildings of Mexico, I have within my reach the authority of but one eyewitness. It is that of Bernal Diaz de Castillo, a follower and sharer in all the expeditions attending the conquest of Mexico. Beginning with the first expedition, he says, quote, On approaching Yucatan, we perceived a large town at the distance of two leagues from the coast, which from its size it exceeded any town in Cuba, we named Grand Cairo. Upon the invitation of a chief who came off in a canoe, they went ashore and set out to march to the town, but on their way were surprised by the natives, whom, however, they repulsed, killing fifteen. Quote, Near the place of this ambuscade, he says, were three buildings of lime and stone, wherein were idols of clay with diabolical countenances, etc. The buildings of lime and stone and the gold gave us a high idea of the country we had discovered. In fifteen days further sailing, they discovered from the ships a large town with an inlet and went ashore for water. While filling their casks, they were accosted by fifty Indians, quotes, dressed in cotton mantles, who, by signs, invited us to their town. Proceeding thither, they arrived at some large and very well-constructed buildings of lime and stone, with figures of serpents and of idols painted upon the walls. In the second expedition, sailing along the coast, they passed a low island about three leagues from the main, where, on going ashore, they found, quote, two buildings of lime and stone well constructed, each with steps and an altar placed before certain hideous figures, the representations of the gods of these Indians. His third expedition was under Cortez, and in this his regard for truth and the reliance that may be placed upon him are happily shown in the struggle between deep religious feeling and belief in the evidence of his senses which appears in his comment upon gomara's account of their first battle Quote, in his account of this action gomara says that previous to the arrival of the main body under cortez francisco de morla appeared in the field upon a gray-dappled horse and that it was one of the holy apostles saint peter or saint iago disguised under his person i say that all our works and victories are guided by the hand of our lord jesus christ and that in this battle there were so many enemies to every one of us that they could have buried us under the dust they could have held in their hands, but that the great mercy of God aided us throughout. What Gomara asserts may be the case, and I, sinner as I am, was not permitted to see it. What I did see was Francisco de Morla 
riding in company with Cortez and the rest upon a chestnut horse. But altogether, I, unworthy sinner that I am, was unfit to behold either of these apostles. Upward of four hundred of us were present. Let their testimony be taken. Let inquiry also be made how it happened that, when the town was founded on that spot, it was not named after one or other of these holy apostles, and called St. Iago de la Victoria, or St. Pedro de la Victoria, as it was Santa Maria, and a church erected and dedicated to one of these holy saints. Very bad Christians were we, indeed, according to the account of Gomara, who, when God sent us his apostles to fight at our head, did not every day after acknowledge and return thanks for so great a mercy. Setting out on their march to Mexico, they arrived at Sempoala, entering which he says, quote, We were surprised with the beauty of the buildings. Our advanced guard having gone to the great square, the buildings of which had been lately whitewashed and plastered in which art these people are very expert one of our horsemen was so struck with the splendor of their appearance in the sun that he came back in full speed to cortez to tell him that the walls of the houses were of silver offended by the abominable custom of human sacrifice cortez determined to suppress by force their idolatrous worship and destroy their false gods. The chiefs ordered the people to arm in defense of their temple, but, quote, when they saw that we were preparing to ascend the great flight of steps, they said they could not help themselves, and that they had hardly said this when fifty of us, going up for the purpose, threw down and broke in pieces the enormous idols which we found within the temple. Cortez then caused a number of Indian masons to be collected with lime, which abounded in that place, and had the walls cleared of blood and new plastered. As they approached the territory of Mexico, he continues, quote, appearances demonstrated that we had entered a new country for the temples were very lofty and together with the terraced dwellings and the houses of the cacique being plastered and whitewashed appeared very well and resembled some of our towns in spain further on he says we arrived at a kind of fortification built of lime and stone of so strong a nature that nothing but tools of iron could have any effect upon it. The people informed us that it was built by the Tlaxcalans, on whose territory it stood, as a defense against the incursions of the Mexicans. At Tehuacingo, after a sanguinary battle, in which the Indians drew off and left the field to them, who were too much fatigued to follow, he adds, as soon as we found ourselves clear of them, we returned thanks to God for his mercy, and entered a strong and spacious temple. We dressed our wounds with the fat of Indians. Arrived at Cholula, Cortez immediately, quote, 
set some soldiers to a great temple hard by our quarters with orders to bring as quietly as they could two priests in this they succeeded one of them was a person of rank and authority over all the temples of the city again quote, within the high walls of the courts where we were quartered and again the city of cholula he says much resembled valladolid it had at that time above a hundred lofty white towers which were the temples of their idols the principal temple was higher than that of mexico and each of these buildings was placed in a spacious court approaching the city of mexico he gives way to a burst of enthusiasm Quote, we could compare it to nothing but the enchanted scenes we had read of in a modest de gaulle from the great towers and temples and other edifices of lime and stone which seemed to rise up out of the water Quote, we were received by great lords of that country relations of montezuma who conducted us to their lodgings there in palaces magnificently built of stone the timber of which was cedar with spacious courts and apartments furnished with canopies of the finest cotton the whole was ornamented with works of art painted and admirably plastered and whitened and it was rendered more delightful by numbers of beautiful birds the palace in which we were lodged was very light airy clean and pleasant the entry being through a great court montezuma in his first interview with cortez says quote, the tlascalans have i know told you that i am like a god and that all about me is gold and silver and precious stones but you now see that i am mere flesh and blood and that my houses are built like other houses of lime and stone and timber at the great square we were quotes, astonished at the crowds of people and regularity which prevailed and the vast quantity of merchandise the entire square was enclosed in piazzas from the square we proceeded to the great temple but before we entered it we made a circuit through a number of large courts the smallest of which appeared to me to contain more ground than the great square of salamanca with double enclosures built of lime and stone and the courts paved with large white cut stones or where not paved they were plastered and polished the ascent to the great temple was by a hundred and fourteen steps from the platform on the summit of the temple montezuma taking cortez by the hand pointed out to him the different parts of the city and its vicinity all of which were commanded from that place we observed also the temples and adoratories of the adjacent cities built in the form of towers and fortresses and others on the causeway all whitewashed and wonderfully brilliant the noise and bustle of the market-place could be heard almost a league off and those who had been at rome and constantinople said that for convenience regularity and population they had never seen the like 
during the siege he speaks of being quote, quartered in a lofty temple marching up the steps of the temple some lofty temples which we now battered with our artillery the lofty temples where diego velasquez and salvatierra were posted the breaches which they had made in the walls cut stone taken from the buildings from the terraces arrived at the great temple instantly above four thousand mexicans rushed up into it who for some time prevented them from ascending Quote, although the cavalry several times attempted to charge the stone pavements of the courts of the temple were so smooth that the horses could not keep their feet and fell their numbers were such that we could not make any effectual impression or ascend the steps at length we forced our way up here cortez showed himself the man that he really was what a desperate engagement we had then every man of us was covered with blood they drove us down six and even ten of the steps while others who were in the corridors or within side of the railings and concavities of the great temple shot such clouds of arrows at us that we could not maintain our ground began our retreat every man of us being wounded and forty-six of us left dead on the spot i have often seen this engagement represented in the paintings of the natives both of mexico and flascala and our ascent into the great temple again he speaks of arriving at a village and taking up their quarters in a strong temple assaulting them at their posts in the temples and large walled enclosures at tezcoco we took up our quarters in some buildings which consisted of large halls and enclosed courts alvarado de olid and some soldiers whereof i was one then ascended to the top of the great temple which was very lofty in order to notice what was going on in the neighborhood we proceeded to another town called terrayuco but which we named the town of the serpents on account of the enormous figures of these animals which we found in their temples and which they worshipped as gods again in this garden our whole force lodged for the night i certainly never saw one of such magnificence and cortez and the treasurer alderete after they had walked through and examined it declared that it was admirable and equal to any they had ever seen in castile i and ten more soldiers were posted as a guard upon a wall of lime and stone when we arrived at our quarters at jacuba it rained heavily and we remained under it for two hours in some large enclosed courts the general with his captains the treasurer our reverend father and many others of us mounted to the top of the temple which commanded all the lake we crossed the water up to our necks at the pass they had left open and followed them until we came to a place where there were large temples and towers of idols as cortez now lodged at coyoacan in large buildings with white walls very well adapted for scribbling on there appeared every morning 
libels against him in prose and verse. I recollect the words of one only. Que triste está el alma mía hasta que la parte vía. How anxious I am for a share of the plunder. When our party, for I went with Sandoval, arrived at Tustepeque, I took up my lodgings in the summit of a tower in a very high temple, partly for the fresh air and to avoid the mosquitoes, which were very troublesome below, and partly to be near Sandoval's quarters. We pursued our route to the city of Chiapas, in the same province with Palenque, and a city it might be called from the regularity of its streets and houses. It contained not less than four thousand families, not reckoning the population of the many dependent towns in its neighborhood. We found the whole force of Chiapas drawn up to receive us. Their troops were adorned with plumage. On our arrival, we found it too closely built to be occupied by us, and we therefore pitched our camp in the open field. In their temples we found idols of a horrid figure. Now it will be recollected that Bernal Diaz wrote to do justice to himself and others of the true conquerors, his companions in arms, whose fame had been obscured by other historians, not actors and eyewitnesses. All his references to buildings are incidental. He never expected to be cited as authority upon the antiquities of the country. The pettiest skirmish with the natives was nearer his heart than all the edifices of lime and stone which he saw, and it is precisely on that account that his testimony is the more valuable. It was written at a time when there were many living who could contradict him if incorrect or false. His true history never was impeached. On the contrary, while its style was considered rude and inelegant, its fidelity and truth have been acknowledged by all contemporaneous and subsequent historians. In my opinion, it is as true and reliable as any work of travels on the countries through which he fought his way. It gives the hurried and imperfect observations of an unlettered soldier, whose sword was seldom in its scabbard, surrounded by dangers, attacking, retreating, wounded, and flying, with his mind constantly occupied by matters of more pressing moment. The reader cannot fail to be struck with the general resemblance between the objects described by him and the scenes referred to in these pages. His account presents to my mind a vivid picture of the ruined cities which we visited, as they once stood, with buildings of lime and stone, painted and sculptured ornaments, and plastered, idols, courts, strong walls, and lofty temples with high ranges of steps. But if this is not sufficient, I have further and stronger support. After the siege of Mexico, on the re-entry of the Spaniards, a ruthless and indiscriminate destruction fell upon every building and monument in the city. No memorials of the arts of the Mexicans were left, 
but in the year 1790, two statues and a flat stone with sculptured characters relative to the Mexican calendar were discovered and dug up from among the remains of the great Teocali in the plaza of the city of Mexico. The statues excited great interest among the Mexican Indians, and the priests, afraid of their relapsing into idolatry, and to destroy all memorials of their ancient rites, buried them in the court of the Franciscan convent. The calendar was fixed in a conspicuous place in the wall of the cathedral, where it now stands. In the center, and forming the principal subject of this calendar, is a face, published in Humboldt's work, which in one particular bears so strong a resemblance to that called the mask, in the frontispiece of this volume, as to suggest the idea that they were intended for the same. There are palpable differences, but perhaps the expression of the eyes is changed and improved in the engraving published, and at all events, in both, the peculiar and striking feature is that of the tongue hanging out of the mouth. The calendar is in bas-relief, and as i understand from a gentleman who has seen it the sculpture is good and lastly among the hieroglyphical paintings which escaped destruction from monkish fanaticism are certain mexican manuscripts now in the libraries of dresden and vienna these have been published in humboldt's work and in that of lord kingsborough and on a careful examination we are strongly of the opinion that the characters are the same with those found on the monuments and tablets at Copan and Palenque. For the sake of comparison, I have introduced again the engraving of the top of the altar at Copan, and another from a hieroglyphical manuscript published in Humboldt's work. Differences, it is true, are manifest, but it must be borne in mind that in the former the characters are carved on stone and in the latter written on paper made of the agave mexicana. Probably for this reason they want the same regularity and finish, but altogether the reader cannot fail to mark the strong similarity, and this similarity cannot be accidental. The inference is that the Aztecs, or Mexicans, at the time of the conquest, had the same written language with the people of Copan and Palenque. I have thus, very briefly, and without attempting to controvert the opinions and speculations of others, presented our own views upon the subject of these ruins. As yet, we perhaps stand alone in these views but I repeat my opinion that we are not warranted in going back to any ancient nation of the old world for the builders of these cities, that they are not the work of people who have passed away and whose history is lost, but that there are strong reasons to believe them the creations of the same races who inhabited the country at the time of the Spanish conquest or some not very distant progenitors. And I would remark that we began our exploration without any theory to support. 
our feelings were in favor of going back to a high and venerable antiquity during the greater part of our journey we were groping in the dark in doubt and uncertainty and it was not until our arrival at the ruins of Ushmal that we formed our opinion of their comparatively modern date some are beyond doubt older than others some are known to have been inhabited at the time of the spanish conquest and others perhaps were really in ruins before and there are points of difference which as yet cannot very readily be explained but in regard to Ushmal, at least we believe that it was an existing and inhabited city at the time of the arrival of the spaniards its desolation and ruin since are easily accounted for with the arrival of the spaniards the scepter of the indians departed in the city of mexico every house was razed to the ground and beyond doubt throughout the country every gathering place or stronghold was broken up the communities scattered their lofty temples thrown down and their idols burned the palaces of the caciques ruined the caciques themselves made bondsmen and by the same ruthless policy which from time immemorial has been pursued in a conquered country all the mementos of their ancestors and lost independence were destroyed or made odious in their eyes and without this we have authentic accounts of great scourges which swept over and for a time depopulated and desolated the whole of yucatan it perhaps destroys much of the interest that hangs over these ruins to assign to them a modern date but we live in an age whose spirit is to discard phantasms and arrive at truth and the interest lost in one particular is supplied in another scarcely inferior for the nearer we can bring the builders of these cities to our own times the greater is our chance of knowing all throughout the country the convents are rich in manuscripts and documents written by the early fathers caciques and indians who very soon acquired the knowledge of spanish and the art of writing these have never been examined with the slightest reference to this subject and i cannot help thinking that some precious memorial is now mouldering in the library of a neighboring convent which would determine the history of some one of these ruined cities moreover i cannot help believing that the tablets of hieroglyphics will yet be read no strong curiosity has hitherto been directed to them vigor and acuteness of intellect knowledge and learning have never been expended upon them for centuries the hieroglyphics of egypt were inscrutable and though not perhaps in our day i feel persuaded that a key surer than that of the rosetta stone will be discovered and if only three centuries have elapsed since any one of these unknown cities was inhabited the race of the inhabitants is not extinct their descendants are still in the land scattered perhaps and retired like our own indians into wilderness which has 
never yet been penetrated by a white man but not lost living as their fathers did erecting the same buildings of lime and stone with ornaments of sculpture and plastered large courts and lofty towers with high ranges of steps and still carving on tablets of stone the same mysterious hieroglyphics and if in consideration that i have not often indulged in speculative conjecture the reader will allow one flight i turn to that vast and unknown region untraversed by a single road wherein fancy pictures that mysterious city seen from the topmost range of the cordilleras of unconquered unvisited and unsought aboriginal inhabitants in conclusion i am at a loss to determine which would be the greatest enterprise an attempt to reach this mysterious city to decipher the tablets of hieroglyphics or to wade through the accumulated manuscripts of three centuries in the libraries of the convents end of section thirty